welcome to episode 425 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I am still recovering from what was one of the absolute best weekends of the year, if not this podcast's entire life, if not my entire life. I absolutely adore the Monster Bash, and this past weekend I spent three and a half, four days in Mars, Pennsylvania with my fellow Monster Kids at Monster Bash. And I gotta tell you, you know, I had some difficulties getting there and getting back. Thanks to American Airlines. Grumble, grumble. But it doesn't matter because when I was there, it was all washed away. It was totally worth it. And yeah, there were delays getting home. But, you know, the memories of the bash keeping me going, keeping me in the most positive of spirits and moods because the bash is Mecca. It's the happiest place on earth. It is it, the destination. It's the end of the rainbow. It's everything that us monster kids could want. And and I know I'm laying it on pretty thick, but it's not just me that thinks that. There were so many people that I saw at Monster Bash this year just smiling as they walked in and walked out. My table, the Monster Kid Radio table, was right there at the very front of, well, the event. People actually had to go by me. Sometimes they would actually stop thinking that I was registration, but they would actually go by me to get into registration. And because I could, I had my table set up before the dealer's room. I had my table set up last. As the dealer's room had closed, I was still there. Monster Kid Radio, Derek M. Cook, and friends were there representing and having a grand time. I went a little old school this time around. We're using the banner that we used last year, which is actually the old banner that I created years ago at the very beginning of this podcast, back for episode one when I was recording at a convention here in Portland that is no longer going on. Anyway, it's the old Monster Kid Radio logo. And when was the last time you saw me at a convention with a Hawaiian shirt? That's what I wore this time around. I was the big guy wearing the Hawaiian shirt who looks like he's having the most fun in the room or at the convention. It was amazing. The shirts were kind of fun too, but the bash, I'm telling you, man, if you haven't been to Monster Bash, I highly recommend you get there to at least the summer show. I've never been to the October show and I've never been to the big movie event that they do, the big movie weekend they do. But the summer show, I can tell you, it's tops. It really is. Now, I'm going to bring to you over the next few weeks a taste, uh, some recordings, some audio, and maybe even some video down the line that was captured at Monster Bash. And that's what you're going to get in this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Let me tell you who you're going to hear. Now, some of these people are people that you've heard on the show before because Monster Bash is not just about making new friends. It's about meeting old ones as well. So you're going to hear Reber Clark. Dan Day Jr. and Stephen D. Sullivan. And then, to change it up, new voices, new people who have never been on the show before, Kevin Slick and Ron McCluskey. Well, we are kind of changing up the format a little bit of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. You know we can't do a show without hearing from Professor Frenzy with a bedtime story, or Kenny with his look at Famous Monsters of Filmland, or even Dr. Tongue's World of Monster Collectibles. We're going to do all of that right after this. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? 
Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? <laughs> People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials, radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there's a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something and review and discuss it. That sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Well, why don't you click over to Orphan Entertainment and remind yourself a little more about the show. Oh, will do. Let's see, that's at orphanentertainment.com. And yeah, it looks like we're available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Oh, hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie someday? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see. Opens its horror vault to release... Three macabre masterpieces. Bela Lugosi as Count Dracula, Lord High Priest of the Living Dead, begins a legend of fear as he claims the soul of his first victim with the mark of the vampire. Boris Karloff as the evil Fu Manchu. His passion for power twisting his brilliant mind as he revels in the horrors of human sacrifice and torture. Behind the mask of Fu Manchu. Frederick Marsh as the futuristic experimenter, Dr. Jekyll, using chemistry to expand his mind. Delving into the taboos of the unnatural. To free the primitive, savage, murderer, Mr. Hyde in the screen's first classic portrayal of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Bela Lugosi, Mark of the Vampire. Boris Karloff, The Mask of Fu Manchu. Frederick March. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Torture. Terror. Taboo. Together in a triple trip to the time when terror began. Now from MGM. Three immortal horrors never seen on the little screen. presents Dr. Tongue's World of Monster Collectibles, spanning the globe looking for monster goo so you don't have to. Dateline, Anytown, USA. Well, folks, it's finally summer, and you know what that means. 
convention season. While a lot of you out there are recovering from Monster Bash this past weekend in Pennsylvania, Mr. Cook, I'm looking in your direction, a lot of other people are preparing to attend the convention of their choice later this year. Conventions of interest specifically to Monster Kids, and mind you, some of the heavy hitters from this year have already happened. There's Monster Bash, Monster Palooza, Chiller Theater, and Crypticon in Seattle. But there are a ton of other conventions still to come this year, so get your plans in order, and here's a quick list in no particular order. Mask Fest and Horror Hound Weekend happening in Indianapolis in early September. Scarefest out of Kentucky also in September, as well as Son of Monsterpalooza in Burbank. The Oktoberfest version of Monster Bash in Pennsylvania is in, what else, October, as well as Chiller Theater's Fall Show in New Jersey and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival here in good old Portland, Oregon. The granddaddy of all comic conventions happens July 18th through the 21st in San Diego, California. Of course, I am talking about the San Diego Comic-Con, or SDCC for short. Founded in 1970, this overhyped, overattended convention has turned into a multi-armed pop culture kraken over its 29 years. Due to its sheer size, I can't even think about going to it anymore. But the reason I bring it up? Do you happen to remember a couple of months ago? That is, if you were paying attention to my blatherings here on the podcast. I made mention that Super 7 is going to be operating once again, this year, their Universal Monster-themed bodega store. This is a store that carries nothing but Universal Monster-inspired merchandise. A majority of it made specifically for the store, opened only during SDCC. The good news is, if you live within the vicinity of the bodega, located in downtown San Diego, you do not have to have convention credentials to get into the shop. The bad news, if you don't get in the store early enough, you may miss out on a lot of the exclusive merchandise. And guess what? You're probably going to have to go to eBay to try to get it. As of this recording, the list of goodies has not been released, but I can make a guess that there will definitely be some new reaction figures and exclusive colors and packaging, just like they did last year, as well as exclusive t-shirts are always given. Other than that, I'm drawing a blank, and you'll have to wait, like I have, to find out what monster goodies will be for sale. I'm still looking for a roll of that mummy bath tissue and the Frankenstein lighter from last year. Who's holding? Artist Spotlight! This fella is no stranger to a lot of you that have collected screen-printed posters and t-shirts over the years, especially of the B-movie monster type. Take one part tattoo flash, one part B-movie monsters, add a healthy dash of burlesque, and you have Mitch O'Connell's art. Mitch O'Connell is what you would call one of the old men of the lowbrow art scene. Hailing out of Chicago, Illinois, and not short of ego, Mitch bills himself as the world's greatest artist. And to be honest, if you have seen his stuff, I wholeheartedly agree. Recent limited edition posters of his include subject matter such as Mars Attacks, inspired invasion of an old movie theater, Vampira playing Mystery Date with a plethora of universal monsters, and coming up a very cool tribute to the Rick Baker spawned Octoman. Head on over to Mitch's Etsy shop, Mitch O'Connell, of course, and check out his line of silkscreen posters, as well as go over to Amazon, use the MKR link, of course, so we get a taste of the sale, and check out his art books. It's good old-school monster stuff for everybody. But remember, kids, it is a little risque for some tastes. You have been warned. Spotlight on Vintage Monster Toys! Today in the Vintage Spotlight, I want to talk about one of my favorite lines in my collection. 
1964, which, by the way, is a very big year for monster toys, Palmer Plastics Company released a line of monsters onto toy store shelves, much to the delight of the ravenous monster kids everywhere. These larger, stylized monster figures, standing approximately three inches tall, included some very strange choices for toys at this time. The set of eight figures featured monsters from the original Frankenstein, Dracula, a very stylized wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, King Kong with a very small fairy figure that is always lost to the ages, and this is where it gets a little weird. A Cyclops creature based on the seventh voyage of Sinbad, minus the fur pants and cloven hoofs, and It, the terror from beyond space, minus the Ray Crash Corrigan chin tongue, of course, and my favorite of the line, Gorgo. Produced in multiple colors, yellow, red, and green being the most common, less common are light blue and really hard to find are the white cast figures. I have seen tan figures, but have not been able to confirm if it was a white figure that has turned a shade of tan over the years, or if it was actually molded that way. These were sold in toy stores across the country in blister packs that featured several different monsters from the line, as well as really cool header art. And they were also bagged and tagged, rack toy style, with two figures and a small gun, so you could use it as a target set. These figures over the last four or five years have been steadily rising in price, so you can expect to pay a little more for the light blue and white ones. Got any sneak peeks of monster merchandise coming out soon? Drop Derek a line, and he'll forward it along to me here at MKR. And hey, if you're interested, you can see what's happening at my toy store over on Instagram at Dr. Tongue's Toys, or over on Facebook under Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop. Or, or, and once again, or, on my private account, MonsterBand64, to see some of the cool stuff I pick up for my own personal collection. This is Mark Dr. Tongue Peterson saying, Happy Monster Collecting, everybody! I'm out! Watch breathlessly as the coffin opens to release the terror duck. <laughs> it's only a gallon bowls, the raven. Join Boris Karloff in the most gruesome day of the undead Black Sabbath. Chilling delights. Die, monster, die. And who knows? You may die. Laughing at the comedy of terrors. Five of Carlos' creepiest capers in nightmare colors. And you are invited. Good evening, Monster Kids. This is the Count. I'm here with some friends to tell you about our favorite board and card game podcast. It's Go Forth and Game. Tom and Ryan talk about all things gaming with special emphasis on interviews with game designers and publishers. 
What do you think about this, my tall, gaunt friend? Go forth, game, good. And what about you, my undead comrade? I think Go Forth and Game is the most entertaining podcast about board and card games that I've come across in 4,522 years. So, if you enjoy listening to two monster kids discuss topics like abstract games, the best family games, game schooling, various game mechanics, and of course, monster-themed games, then you should give Go Forth and Game a try. That's GoForthAndGame.com, available on iTunes and Spotify. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Welcome to Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I'm going to tell you a story from EC Horror Comics. Today's story is Vampire. It is from The Haunt of Fear, number 16, the July-August issue from 1950. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Johnny Craig. So sit back, relax, while I tell this blood-curdling tale. Jim Reed is the only doctor out on the remote Marsh Island, a swampy, humid island off the coast of Louisiana. A woman has turned up dead, her blood drained, and two puncture holes in her neck. Dr. Reed had studied in Hungary and was familiar with the ways of the undead. He told Police Chief Hughes his opinion on the cause of death is by vampire. Hughes wasn't convinced. Reed insisted he put the vampire theory in the official paperwork. This caused Dr. Reed to be a source of amusement in the small, isolated community. He was roundly ridiculed by the populace. Chief Hughes told you so. A few days later, Reed got a call from one Mr. Winslow, the employer of the dead girl. He said that his daughter Nelda is not well. She was weak and in bed. That night, Dr. Reed went over to their house where Mr. Winslow is in a full tuxedo, even in this brutal heat. Reed found that Nelda had two puncture wounds in her neck. Dr. Reed told Mr. Winslow to sit and watch her all night, and he would come back to check on her the next day. Winslow said to come the next night, as he wouldn't be around during the day. Reed asked people in the town about Winslow. Turns out, he is only seen at night, and always wore the same tuxedo. Hmm. The next night, he visited Nelda again. She was weaker than she was the night before. Mr. Winslow must be the vampire and is feeding on Nelda, the doctor thought. Since everyone in town knows he suspects a vampire is loose, Mr. Winslow may too. Dr. Reed's life is in danger. Reed lied to Winslow about Nelda's condition and left the house quickly and said he would return the next evening. Instead, Dr. Reed planned to go over to the Winslow house during the day. However, a new body is found, drained of blood, with two puncture marks in the neck. Reed loses track of time taking care of the issue. He doesn't get to the Winslow house until after sundown. 
But then he finds Nelda up and looking perky. The doctor tells Nelda that her father is a vampire and is feeding on her. The reason she feels better now is that last night he found another victim. He left, but told her to lock the door and only answer it for him. Dr. Reed set out across the bayou, but was attacked by a bat. He fought it off with a cross, but then, in the distance, Reed saw Mr. Winslow running towards him. He hid behind a tree, and when Winslow got close enough, Reed stabbed him through the heart with a wooden stake. He returned to Nelsa's room, exhausted from his ordeal. She let him lay down in her bed. He told her what happened, but she corrected him. My father isn't a vampire, she said. Her father was out in the swamp protecting her from Reed's cross. She wasn't weak because she lost blood. She was weak because she hadn't had any in a long time. And that she felt better because she finally found a victim. Nelsa Winslow is the vampire, and tonight she will feed on Dr. Reed. The end. I hope you enjoyed that messy story. In the world of EC Comics, it's safe to say that you never really know what's going on until the very end. They sure love throwing misdirection at us, first leading us to think the vampire is the father, but then exposing that it's really the daughter. I can't say that a modern reader would be fooled. We know that the writers are trying to trick us, and it's all part of the fun. And we are in a post-Sixth Sense world. We're looking for the trick. I always wondered what a 1950 reader's experience was. Were they shocked at the twist? However, why Mr. Winslow invited the doctor, who knows about vampires, to check out his daughter when he knew darned well what the problem was, is beyond me. It seems like a risky move. Motivation. Pshaw. Johnny Craig's art is, as always, excellent. The panel where Dr. Reed is driving the stake into Mr. Winslow shows the doctor wild-eyed with his face partly in shadow. Very intense. Nelda looks very glamorous, and the swamp is full of swarming bugs. You really get the feeling for being in an isolated swamp. If you're interested in a copy of The Haunt of Fear Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed the story. My name is Jerry Green, and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics and bat books for beginners, where we talk about historical Batman and Bat Family comics. You can also catch me on Twitter, at Professor Frenzy, and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube, where you can find The Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, the Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple. 
the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. voluptuously beautiful woman. She drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky a titanic monster whose fearsome touch became a frightful curse. You think I'm drunk, don't you? All of you! I'm not drunk! I'm not! You've got to believe me! Please. It was right in the middle of the highway, 30 feet tall! Once she's in the booby hatch, Throw the key away. That'll put you in the driver's seat. You'd make a wild driver, Harry. With 50 million bucks. What she saw was beyond belief until others, too, faced its hideous, uncontrollable menace. Attack of the 50-foot woman, incredibly huge, with incredible desires for love and vengeance. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, Derek starts his coverage of the fabulous 2019 Monster Bash, so I thought it would be appropriate to take a look at the first Famous Monsters of Filmland convention held in New York City, November of 1974. On the back cover of FM 110, we find the first announcement of the con. Here is what it had to say. Here it is, the most monsterific convention ever held a world-famous monster rally sponsored by Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine to be held on the Veterans Day holiday weekend in November of this year, featuring a four-day festival of famous names and fabulous events and exhibitions in the wide world of monsters, an all-star cast of celebrities, movie personalities, and creatures straight out of the pages of Warren Publishing's Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. This is a famous monster con that will make history. Make plans now to attend. In FM 112, there's an article that previews the con entitled Monsters of the World Unite. The article begins with mention of invitations made to Fay Ray, Christopher Lee, and Vincent Price. No promises are made, but Forey hopes at least one of them will attend. The article goes on to mention that Forey will definitely be there with memorabilia to share with fans. An auction will be held where a fan can buy an hour with the Acromonster. The article continues with this appeal. Monday the 11th, 5,000 fans are expected to attend the Famous Monsters Convention, an event they'll still be breathlessly describing in the 21st century, an event that you owe it to yourself to attend. How will you be able to face your grandchildren if they ask, Granddaddy or Grandma, 
What did you do at the first MonsterCon? Is it true you won a prize at the masquerade? Did you really see the great Vincent Price alive in person? Did Forey Ackerman actually wear Dracula's cape? How will you ever live down the shame if you have to confess to your grandchildren that you missed the single greatest film monster event of the century? Details of the location are given, with rooms running as low as $21 a night. That's in 1974 dollars. That would be $103 today. The preview ends with this pun-filled paragraph. Fat, skinny, tall, small, young, old, ancient, male, female, or monster, all are welcome at the famous monsters convention. The mummy says, come and rap with me. King Kong says, take it from me, you'll fall for it. Dracula says, you bat your life, I'll be there. Dr. Jekyll says, I'd give anything to be there, and I will. Frankenstein says, I'll get it all together and attend. Igor says, I'll break my neck to be on hand. We can promise you one thing. This will be the most unconventional convention you'll ever attend. How did the convention go? In FM 115, this poem by Scott Hawk tells all. The famous Monsters of Filmland convention was a marvelous sight to behold. Whoever thought up this fantastic invention should have himself plated in gold. The first thing I saw when I entered the room was two posters on the opposite wall. Godzilla destroying a city, kaboom, and Frankenstein having a ball. And then there were rooms each had a display, each one more terrific than the other. The first contained fantastic posters which could only be loved by their mother. The next had great stills, the next contained models, all of which were horrifically grand, and you could buy most of these items if you had enough money on hand. And below in the lobby, the Warren room stood, each containing some marvelous stuff. The first held the old Gogos paintings, and resisting them was awfully tough. The next was a madhouse, asylum by others, where collectors were peddling their wares, back issues of FM and others, at terrifically reasonable fairs. The last of the rooms contained all of the masks, which in horror would Don Post created, and calling the whole lot fantastic would leave his work far underrated. And then came the ultimate greatest of all, great personalities appearing. Recalling the names of a few of the stars has already sent me a tearing. The first one I saw was the publisher, Warren. A real nut by anyone's rating. I'm a star, come on, do me a favor, hold my posters, to me he was stating. And then there was someone you'd all recognize, a relative of someone gory. You'd have to know her by the great popping eyes, the daughter of great Peter Lorre. Lee couldn't make it, nor could Price or Ray. Ah well, that's a whole different story. But somebody came who completed my trip, the Ackerman himself, old Forey. He showed films of his old home and slides of his new. His lectures and speeches were numbing. And also the relics from old films he brought certainly made it worth coming. And then came Vern Langdon, my heart skipped a beat. He shouldn't be taken for granted. My Friday night rundown would not be complete without his apes straight from the planet. The Isle of Lost Souls, The Invisible Man, were some of the films that they showed. At seeing the sight of these old faithful flicks, the folks in the audience glowed. And then came the quiz. It was awfully tough, but you could have got them if you knew enough. From reading the poem which I have just written, you'll certainly see my intention. One thing for a long time I'll not be forgetting is the first famous Monsters Convention. In future segments, we will see more detailed reports on the con. For Monster Kid Radio, this is Kenny, and we've just seen a bit of Famous Monsters of Filmland.
Hi, this is Jeff Owens from the Classic Horrors Club. And I'm Richard Chamberlain from kccinephile.com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. We'd like to invite you to attend the next monthly meeting of the Classic Horrors Club on the Phantom Podcast Network. We think you'll enjoy our show, but don't take our word for it. Let's ask some of our listeners what they think. Excuse me, sir. What did you say after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast? I'll never smile again. Wow, that's a little mean. How about you, sir? Would you recommend the Classic Horrors Club podcast? It would be very dangerous, not only for you, but for others. Well, we do talk about classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, but I don't think I'd call it dangerous. I think that's enough from our listeners. I've always said we have the, uh, best fans... Why don't you give us a try yourselves? We meet once a month during the Classic Horrors Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, found at downrightcreepy.com or at classichorrors.club. Oh, wait, here's one more listener walking his pet. What do you think of the Classic Horrors Club podcast? There's the stink of hell on this train. Even the dog knows it. night in the age of horror. Very well. I pleaded with you to let me leave in peace. But you refused. Now, look. Raven had diabolical chills to the story of a man who made the trip to the other world once too often. Mr. Blake. Now for him, Earth is nothing more than a terror stop somewhere between hell and the other world. What are you waiting for? Monster. Recommended only if your veins can stand the cold torment of evil. Not storybook evil, but the evil you may face this very night. I, Monster. The other you. I, Monster. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Let's let's do some recording here. Reber Clark is the first person to get recorded here at Monster Bash for Monster Kid Radio. How you doing, man? I am doing good. How are you? I'm I'm, I'm good now. now yeah. you, you got in Thursday night, right? I got in last night. Yes. Okay. Okay. From Chicago, but you were held up in Chicago. So it's your fault. It is my fault. Okay. We All put right. a hit out on you. you no. know. <laughs> <laughs> That's Chicago for you. What did I do? I don't understand. <laughs> this is your first bash, man. My first bash, and it's fantastic. I met Veronica Carlson, had a very nice chat. She's just lovely. She's a sweetheart. She really is. So sweet. But you had met her before, hadn't you? No, I had not met Veronica. I'd met Martine Beswick and, and Caroline. Caroline. Caroline Monroe. So, so yes. yeah, we're, we're talking about... Veronica and Veronica, Carolyn and, and all that. And the reason we're talking about them 
House of the Gorgon. House of the Gorgon. Premiering in the U.S. tomorrow night at 7.30. And I'm told there's going to be a second show that there are actually really? who's screening. So I don't know if it's official yet, but... Well, I hope so. Interest is high. Same night? Yes. For anybody who's interested, when does this go out? I have a ton of CDs that uh, this episode, I would love to unload. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'll be putting this episode out on uh, in less than a week. Oh, so okay. how can people find you to buy these CDs? They can go to reberclock.com or they can go to reberclock.bandcamp.com. You can get it as a download or a CD or a download go. and a CD. There you go. I can tell you, listeners, I because I did the sound editing, I listened to the movie and the soundtrack 40, 50 times. Wow. Never got bored. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> wow, that's unusual. <laughs> never never got bored with the movie, never got bored with the music. I know, the movie clips right along. I was impressed with his editing. It's just so focused. He's he's really good. He is really on he's, it. Um, he's good. Yeah. I want to say he's an up-and-comer, but man, he's already there. He's he's, he's already there. He's got it. Would you, yep. Yes, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, so we got House of the Gorgon. What else are you looking forward to here at the Bash, though? Just meeting the stars and, and, yeah. and, you know, we're just getting the general lay of the land. The feel is good. I like the people that I've met so far, and uh, it just feels great. I'd like to maybe pick up some DVDs and Blu-rays and then seeing all the great movies. There's tons of great movies. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't, I didn't know that it was so, such a movie-oriented thing. They have tons of films going, tons of Q&As. Yeah. Oh, I see your book, your uh, new book. I That's down- right. I downloaded a copy. Yeah, I hope you enjoy it. It's uh Mark Temple. That's right. Yes. Yep. Yep. So I'm yeah, selling copies stuff. of my book. Thank you. Thank Excellent you. Excellent stuff. Really enjoy. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of slowly easing into Monster Bash right now, and yes, and I'm stoked. Great. I'm so excited. did you sleep well? I slept hard. <laughs> yeah. I slept real hard. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was okay. It was a challenge. People who follow me on Facebook know that it was a challenge. Well, last night I hung out with uh, Josh, the director of House of the Gorgon, and uh, some of the actors, and uh, looking forward to. Uh, yeah, hanging out with everybody. Should be a good time. Should be a good time. So one thing we do, did we do this when you were oh, on the show? Did we play the game? We done this, I've done this once before. Well, let's let's bust out some cards here. We're going to play around the first round of the Classic Five here at Monster Bash. All right. Let me give these a good shuffle here, maybe. Pretty good. All right. That's good enough. Good enough. All right. Reber, here we go. Card Sir. number one. What is your favorite William Castle gimmick? I'm going through them. I'm going to the ones I've been to. Okay. There was some movie I went to where they handed out vampire blood. Can't remember what it was. It was a little white packets. But I was I was probably 14, 15 years old. Wow. When I got home, I opened it to taste it, and it was just colored water, you know. <laughs> so at least it wasn't poison. But uh, I was actually, yeah, I actually uh, was involved in some of that stuff. I mean, you know, I actually encountered it. That's so cool. So, yeah. But I can't remember the name of the movie. So whichever one was the one they gave out the blood. And there was another one. wasn't a William Castle, I don't think it was called. Uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. But they also had promotions like that as you went into the theater. And they really don't do a lot of that anymore. I wish no, they did. No, no. They, yeah, I wish they did. I think it was rigor mortis milk or something. It was just <laughs> awful, you know. <laughs> it was horrible. So if they had to give something away, like a little gimmick or whatever, for House of the Gorgon, what should it be, you think? Either an eyeball a Gorgon's Ooh. eye. So I was gonna say like rocks or something, but you know. rocks. Well, they turn. Oh, they, you know, sure. They, yeah. <laughs> you saw the movie, right? Well, yeah, yeah, once or twice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Rocks. That'd be funny. I like Gorgon's eye, though. That's that's better. The Gorgon's Much better. Eye. Than where Don't I was look at it. it. Right. Right. 
Maybe it lights up. All right, card number two <laughs> you, from the Universal deck. Which movie do you prefer, Tarantula or the Deadly Mantis? Deadly Mantis, yeah? hands down, yeah. Really? Tarantula always looked fake to me. Mantis looked fake, but I bought it. But it's like, no, no, no John Agar, though. I mean, come on. I, I'm all about the monster. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, card number three. This is from the Monster Bash deck. Horror hosts. Do you like them to interact with the film or just shut up and show the movie? I would rather they shut up and show the movie. They can do things in between, like on breaks. Okay. But uh, I would rather they would just shut up and show the movie and maybe do some routines in the breaks. Okay. All right. Uh, card number four. What's your favorite Evelyn Anchors film or role in a Universal film? I have no idea who that is. So she's the lead in, the lead female in The Wolfman? Oh. Well, let's say The Wolfman. Okay. Then. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know anybody, don't know anything, just kind of sit in my room. <laughs> so you've seen, so there's the final cards from our Universal card, our Universal deck. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about The Invisible Man and Bride of Frankenstein. Right. Oh, there's an actress yeah. in that, Una O'Connor. Oh, yeah. Do you prefer her in The Invisible Man or Bride of Frankenstein? Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Absolutely. One of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, it's, there's a reason why we talk about it to this day. Yeah. You know, I couldn't stand her. <laughs> really? I, I, I've warmed up to her. Just irritated by her? Or you know, just, when I first encountered the film. Was it the, the screaming? Film, yeah. You know, when I first encountered <laughs> the film, I was just like, come on. But as I've watched the movies, she's warmed up. And you have to put yourself back in the 30s, you know, and, yeah. and, and theater, kind of a mindset. Yeah. And once you do that, yeah. Well, plus she plays a double role in Bride of Frankenstein. I mean, she's the maid at the very, very beginning sequence with right. Mary Shelley and all that. She comes in with whatever. So. Right. You know, so, so you know she was capable of acting without screaming. And I just wonder if it's some kind of uh, psychological thing. Because we're in this tense thing, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the windmill and everything. And then she's just screaming and being kind of this funny relief. Mm -hmm. But it kind of puts the, the audience person, kind of puts you off balance. And maybe that's good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a technique that, I, you know, I don't know. You know, James Whale was a master. I mean, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So and it puts the audience off balance and like, oh, we don't really know what's going on here. Is it funny? Is it scary? Right. And so if you're off balance, then he can take you wherever he wants. Exactly. So that's yeah. possible. I don't know. I don't know anything about theater. You know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to say that sounds good to me, man. Okay. <laughs> so, And I always confused her with uh, Maria Uspinskaya for some reason. I don't know why. Anyway. I, I don't know much about either actress. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd like to no, learn more, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that was a classic five. That was fun. Okay, I did great, that. good. I'm glad. So, what's coming up next for you? I mean, I, I know Top there are... secret projects. I've been sworn to secrecy. Well, so do I. Yeah, yeah. So, one's for the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. It's a radio play that's a collection of uh, four stories by H.P. Lovecraft for the collaborations. I think they're all collaborations. Is this Dark Adventure Radio Theater or is yeah, this something different? Yeah, Dark Adventure Radio Theater. It's awesome. Called... And then the other one is uh, Andrew Migliori and Lurker Films are producing... Something that you're doing the sound effects for. That's right. The Foley. Right. How's that going? Uh, it's going pretty well. I just sent um, what, I, what I've got so far to the director, Woodruff. Yep. Um, Woodruff Laputka. Yes. Who's very cool. And who has shot stuff for National Geographic and a ton of other, the uh, Smithsonian, ton of things. Brenda and I were watching YouTube the other day, and his name popped up on an Atlas Obscura video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's the guy. Well, the movie <laughs> looks really great. It is amazingly cool. Looking. It is. It uh, is. The cinematographer, and whose name I forget, yeah, I, did an amazing job. Yeah. And uh, I submitted some music. He liked some of it, didn't like some of it, so we're making some changes, but uh, it makes perfect sense. I think I know what he's after. Yeah, I just sent him 
uh, a lot of the uh, the ambient sound that I've been working on and mm -hmm. all that. Uh, coming up with some of the sound effects has been a challenge, but a good challenge. Yeah. I'm really having fun with it. Sure. So. Yeah, and I'm kind of getting out of my comfort zone. A lot of vocal effects, yeah. uh, choirs, and, and uh, strange vocal things. So, yeah. Right on. And he likes that, and so that's good. Cause, but uh, I'm not, I haven't done a lot of that, so it'll be fun. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of music that you've done, though, has that in it. Oh, and great. And some of the Azathoth stuff. Oh, sure. Where, where you've got the chanting of Azathoth happening. Oh, that. The that was uh, The Haunter of the Dark. Yeah. H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society Dark movie. Adventure Radio Theater. That is also on CD. There you I go. Don't, I, don't, I usually don't put them on CD, but I like the score enough to, no, to produce strong. some CDs. Again, available at my Bandcamp site. I'll make sure there's links in the show notes, of course. Reaver's a friend of the Great, show. Thank and listeners, you, you got to check his stuff out. It's really good. And he gives us the okay to thank play you. his music every once in a while. So, oh, of course, absolutely. we're going to support him. Anything. Yeah. Take it. Do it. So, stay <laughs> tuned to ReberClark.com to keep up with everything he's got going on. And, again, go to his Bandcamp page. Download all of his stuff. Uh, he's got Boy, some really right. good stuff there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's got some really good stuff. What, what, is the, uh, what was the short film with the August Erleth? Like the heist? Oh, oh uh, it was called... Um, Durleth's brain. Yeah. And it was, why did August Durleth change the Elder Sign from H.P. Lovecraft's original design to the game design? Right. And it's about mysterious machinations behind that change. It's a cool little short film, and the music makes it sound like this, this big, big heist, and I love it. There is an August Durleth Film Festival in Racine, Wisconsin, or something. Really? Racine, Wisconsin, or something. Kenosha, maybe, and uh, oh. I'm thinking about submitting it to that. You really should. I had no idea. It's there coming was up in festival. August. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, how many? I've never heard of any movies being made of his stuff, but it's a very obscure little festival. Wasn't he involved with the, the story, of the Shuttered Room? Didn't he have something to do with that? Uh, Lurker at the Threshold. I know the Shuttered yeah. Room, maybe. Because yeah. there was a film version of the Shuttered Room that I really liked. There was, yeah, with Oliver Reed. Right. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Anyway. Yep, looking forward to the bash, looking forward to all the stuff and the people. And it's going to be a good time. I'm really looking forward to it. Really good looking deal. forward to it. So, you just recently heard him on Monster Kid Radio. It's a guy who told me as we're walking up to the table that he's a made man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's Dan Day Jr. How are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I'm at Monster Bash. How? What? What? what I mean, how? What Stupid else would question. I be doing? It's, Stupid it's, question. Yes. Stupid uh, question. Dan is uh, an integral part to all things gooey films. <laughs> um, he is the unofficial official president of the Josh Kennedy fan club. Yeah, I'm, I'm his entourage. So <laughs> I'm his one man entourage. See, that's why. I, that's what I want. I want to be in. That's why you're it, saying it, you're a made it, man. I want well, to be in. Well, yeah, yeah, there's certain rules. There's certain regulations. You know, you can't just you know bring anybody in because you gotta you know you gotta. <laughs> You know, make make sure that the right people are there. So, but I I, I think I can sneak you in. Okay I, okay, I think I think there's a there's like a side door to the Joshua Kenny entourage, and I, I think I can you know, we just wait until you know like in the middle of something going on, we can just you know no, nobody knows. Yeah, knows. yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, it'd be okay. I don't know if I would really blend in. <laughs> Especially with the shirt I'm wearing today. Well, you know, when when Josh does get to, you know, bigger and better things, I mean, we can all say, remember all the stuff we told about how great you were? And, and he'll say, what's your name again? It's like, no, that's what this recording's for. Okay, that, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, podcast. yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> no, he'd, he'd, he'd never do that. No, I, I don't I'm, I'm kind of torn on that because what he is now... His whole why we love him and why so many people love him in the monster fan community 
is because of his, his style, the way he is. If he did go on to bigger and better things, I don't even know if, if he would be able. I, I think that would kind of almost like ruin him in a way. I, I want nothing but the best for him. Yes. Um, Josh, dear friend. Yeah. Not just as a podcast, but to me and, and to you. And, yeah. And, and a lot of us. And uh, we really love what he does. And House of the Gorgon really... I'm trying to put myself in Josh's shoes, knowing that the Gorgon is his favorite movie of all time. Knowing that he mounted a stage production of it when he was a kid. <laughs> yes. It's like producing House of the Gorgon would be like the, the end of life goal. You know, it's yeah, like, but, what do you but, do now? But no, he's, but he's 23 years old, is that right? 20, he's going to be 25 in a week, I believe. I think his birthday is June 29th. You know, that's that's amazing <laughs> that he's done so much. I I want nothing for the best, but the best for him, and I, I hope he does move on to bigger and better things, but still keeps his Josh. Yeah, and that that's that's the thing, and I think I remember one of the interviews he's been doing. I can't remember what it was or or what um, I don't know if it was for a publication or a podcast or something or some website about House of the Gorgon and they asked him about you know what he would like to do in the future and he said you know I I have no problem just staying in Texas and making my movies my way and I and I totally believe that yeah. that that's him you know that's his you know hey would would you like to direct this superhero movie that costs 300 million dollars when you have 50 different producers telling you basically what to do or would you like to have a thousand dollars and basically make your own movie in four days I know which one he's going to choose sure. so but at the same time somebody as creative as him I want him I you know not for me personally because I'm like his buddy or anything it has nothing to do with me it's I, I want people to know how creative yes. he is and, and I still don't think people realize you know Caroline Monroe Martin Bezwick Veronica Carlson Christopher Neem he got all four of them in a film okay yep maybe the people here at Monster Bash kind right. of understand it but I think kind of even so, even within the monster fan community, I don't, I don't think people realize how big that is. And I'm not trying to denigrate other independent filmmakers no, or, you know, well, he got these people and you didn't. But the fact that he did, I mean, it, it's just, it's just mind boggling. See, he started making movies when he was five. Right? Yes. You know, so he spent his entire life kind of gearing up and building up to this. So, I mean. <laughs> He's worked hard. He's worked. Oh hard. yeah, yeah. These people just fall in his lap. He, he worked no, really hard. No, and once happen. again, we're we're redoing the we the, really the podcast from yesterday. But the, right. you know, there's a reason why. Well, okay. Well, what what are we gonna we're gonna just spend the whole day talking about Joshua Kennedy again? <laughs> Man, I tell we, you, we got some what? Um, we need to get on the payroll. Is what we need. To <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, that's why I want him to get bigger and better, so he can pay us all, right? Yeah, I'm already an unofficial employee of Gooey Films. You might as well just make me. A, you know, I mean, I don't mind making money. Okay, I got nothing against that. <laughs> Because and, and what is it, what am I going to do with that money? I'm probably going to go to Monster Bash and buy a bunch of Blu-rays and books and DVDs. Right. So I mean, you know, yep. l l that stuff isn't free. It's that it's that circle. Yeah, that, not for me, anyways. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you're here with Josh. You're here for House of the Gorgon, and you know, you're here because it's Monster Bash. But House of the Gorgon is playing tomorrow night. Twice. Twice. An extra uh, showing. Yeah, they had to add an extra showing. There has been so much buzz about this movie. Yes, and I knew I knew that was going to have to happen one way or the other. I can't so. remember if I mentioned this on the show already, but I flew in with Sam Irvin. Yeah. Um, he and I both got stuck at the same airport. Not at the same time, but we ended up on the same flight getting here. And that was a concern that he had, is that he wasn't going to get in to see House of the Gorgon. He was talking all about yeah. it, how much he loves Josh's work and all that. And... Uh, 
you know, he's worried that people are just going to sit in, sit down in there in the beginning of the day, stay mm-hmm. parked. Well, leave. that's that's I've done that at other monster bashes sure. where I knew, uh, okay, so and so is having a Q and A at three o'clock. I'm going to get in there at two and make sure I have mm-hmm. a D because they're really. I'm not trying to denigrate anybody here, but there's really not so you know a lot of room at these yeah. you know in these viewing rooms. So you you kind of have to pick and choose, you know, mm-hmm. unless you want to like sit way back in the room and, and not you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I I think the two I think the two showings you know hopefully, and he is you know in case anybody is in the area he is selling uh you know DVDs of it. Josh is right now, and there there will be. Uh, Indiegogo copies available after this weekend. Good. Uh, what else are you looking forward to, though? I mean, it's not it's not all about Josh all the time. It's um, not Josh bad. It isn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I definitely want to hear Greg Mank anytime. Greg Mank could talk about refrigerators, and I would I would go I would listen to Greg Mank talk about refrigerators. If Frank Delostrito, I'm definitely one of yes. you know because he can take a movie that I've seen a hundred times, mm-hmm. and then he'll talk about it. And I'm like, I never. It's just amazing how he can do that. And his, you know, I'm definitely going to get his book about Carl Denham. I, you know, that is that's just going to be a total geek out, just like the the Larry Talbot book. The very first Monster Bash I came to was 2013. Okay. And I literally didn't know anybody there personally. And now, and I'm not exaggerating, the majority of my Facebook friends are here right now yeah. in Monster Bash. Really big so so it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's almost like, yeah, our kind of type of family reunion. Yeah. So, and it's really about the only time me and Josh are able to just get together and just hang out and, and you know, once hey, we're talking about Josh again. That <laughs> <laughs> kid, he's just. Uh. <laughs> He's like an infection. You just can't, <laughs> can't get rid of a <laughs> sticky, gooey. Well, infection. you are you going to be here through Sunday? Yeah. Okay. So what 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 are you interested in seeing? And uh, the Delostrito talk. Yeah. Uh, Frank is really good. Yeah, it just amazes me how he, he can. You know, it's inspiring. I mean, yeah. No, he is. He is. He, he inspired a project that I'm working on right now. So. And and I I always always have great respect for him because literally the second Monster Bash I went to. This is when I barely knew, you know, really didn't know anybody. I was walking through the dealer room or the, you know, the showroom or whatever, and I heard somebody calling, Dan, Dan. I didn't think it was for me. It's like, I don't know anybody here. It was Frank because he had read my blog. And I just couldn't believe it. Somebody, this is like when I first started the blog, like maybe 20 people read it. And I couldn't believe somebody actually that distinguished read my blog and actually knew me. And that kind of scared me because it's like, you know what? People are actually reading. I mean, might, might want to be careful when I write things because this guy actually, you know, it's like just totally out of the blue. And I'm like, wow, he actually knows cool, me. No, awesome. it, it is. But it also makes you realize when you, of course, you know this, when you put things out, you know, as you do. And, and you, I mean, it, it's great because people know you from that. It's positive that way, but you also have to realize, hey, there are people out there that are going to read this, so, you know. So, speaking of which, what's the name of your blog? The Hitless Wonder Movie Blog. Okay, and I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, of course. Okay. <laughs> and one thing that you were doing on your blog after the bash last year is, for a while, you were pulling Classic Five cards. Yeah, and I, for whatever reason, I just I feel bad because I just oh, didn't get no. around back to, you know... I yeah. wasn't bringing it up to make you feel bad. I was bringing it up because we didn't play the last time you were on the show. Yeah, I know. Let's do this. What's your favorite Karloff Lugosi Universal collaboration? Ooh, and I just got that set, and Tim Durbin and I watched most of it before we came out here. I love the black cat. Mm-hmm. But for some reason. Well, wait a second here. I got I gotta stop myself. 
I got to go Son of Frankenstein. Oh, because okay. I was, I'm, I'm so in the, that Universal box set mood that just came out from Shout Factory. And, I'm, you know, of course, Son of Frankenstein isn't on it. I, yeah, I got to go with Son of Frankenstein. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I've met him three times. <laughs> what was that? I am a made man. Actually, he actually one time I met him and I had written a, I have a blog called the Hitless Wonder Movie Blog. And I wrote like a tribute to him. And I said, you, did you happen to read my blog? He said, are, are you Dan Day? <laughs> nope. Or you, you really you really want him to remember you? Just go on Twitter and complain about the movie he's showing that Saturday night. It <laughs> yeah. drives him nuts. <laughs> no, he's a good guy. Oh, hi. My name's Dan. Uh, are you going to watch House of the Gorgon tomorrow night? Um, yeah. I'm gonna try to well, I'm, I'm in it, so. But you're in it? Yeah, don't, don't let that scare you off. I mean, there, there's other things in the movie, so. I'm just saying, you're in it. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. You, you know I know Josh Kennedy, right? So that's why I'm oh, asking. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I might as well use it while I can. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Son of Frankenstein. Yep. So, okay. Son of Frankenstein. All right. Card number two. What classic monster movie should be turned into a musical? Oh, I, w- I would automatically say first no, but let me think about this. Because, you know, that, that Phantom of the Opera thing, where every, to me, that, that, that just... That's not my idea of the Phantom. Okay. And I just think that if you did turn any type of like that into a musical, it would be kind of, uh, it would be cheesy and it wouldn't live up to, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, that's, that's a hard one to, that's a hard one to figure out because just about all of them have been kind of like, you know, sort of turned into musicals or, or Broadway or. Yeah. I don't know. Although I try not to think about the creature from the Black Lagoon Rocking <laughs> show at Universal. I try not to think about that. It, it might happen the way things are going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, any Hammer film come to mind? As a musical? The Gorgon, maybe? <laughs> well, you, you know, you, you, I'm surprised he hasn't done that already. Um, well, you, you could do Dracula 8072 and just, just have Stone Ground oh right, right, God, five, more, five more. Five more. Honestly, you think so? I would love to see that. Really? Oh, I would. I love that movie. <laughs> well, I do too. And I love that sequence. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm in. You, you, Sign me you'd, up. And you'd have to use like other like late '60s, early '70s songs. That only have like one album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That would be awesome. Well, yeah, that's why the, the the musical rights wouldn't be too high if you use like the one hit wonders. So you know, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I, I'm actually proud of myself that I came there up with go. that. I, I, like I didn't it. think I was going to get up with one. So okay. All right. How about this one? Twilight Zone or The Outer Limits? Oh, Twilight Zone. Yeah. But I will say this. Where I grew up in northern Indiana, Twilight Zone was on constantly on all the channels. Outer Limits was almost never. I really haven't seen too many Outer Limits shows. Okay. A, a lot of a lot of syndicated shows. It depends on where you grew up in the country. What shows you were. I mean, there, a there's a lot. There's a lot of shows, famous shows that I I never saw because, you know, whatever for whatever reason in where I was at, the local stations didn't didn't have them. Okay. But but the Twilight Zone was and I love the Twilight Zone anyway. I have like the, the old DVD box set and that that's that's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So yeah, I, I got to go Twilight Zone. Okay. Question number four: What's your favorite Boris Karloff role? Well, I wrote I wrote a blog on this. <laughs> my favorite Karloff performances. I'm trying to remember actually what I wrote. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure it was probably the Frankenstein monster. Okay. I'll go ahead and give you the top five. I think I can remember the top five. It was the Frankenstein monster. Cabin Gray from Body Snatchers. Oh, okay. Cool. The Mummy, Art of Bay. 
and this is going to be like an out of uh, out of left field one. I I believe is Doctor Bolton from the Doctor of the Seven Dials, Corridors of Blood. Oh, which I think is actually one of his better performances. That that's one that doesn't get kind of like mentioned. I haven't seen that in forever. Really? No, it's an excellent. It's it's one of those Baker Berman type of movies. It's yeah. more of a historical melodrama instead of a straight horror film. But I it's very good. And Christopher Lee is great yeah. as Resurrection Joe. I'm, cool. try, I'm trying to think of the fifth Karloff performance that I, I picked, and I can't think of it to save my life. So We'll come back to it. But it, it def- it. definitely the Frankenstein monster. Yeah. I know that's a generic answer, but... There's you know. a reason why it's iconic, though. Yeah, ex- exactly. It. And it still holds up today. Yeah. So. All right, final card of the Classic Five for you. Hitchcock or William Castle? I, I got to go with Hitchcock. Hitchcock. I mean, I yeah, I love William Castle, and mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, Hitchcock is Hitchcock, and William William Castle is like, I don't know, Hitchcock is is a gourmet meal. William Castle is, you know, I, I got to get a cheeseburger. So, <laughs> but they're both enjoyable in their own ways. So, although Hitchcock never gave out like you know little plastic hatchets and <laughs> you know and all this other stuff. But, yeah. You know what's funny about the William Castle films? Yeah. It has nothing to do with supernatural. It's money. In every movie it's about somebody trying to get some money. Or, and you know he was and you always see him in the yeah. suit and the tie. I mean he was so much of the typical white guy Mr. Businessman 1950s. If you really look if you really want to examine William Castle's films it's not so much about the gimmicks. It's about it's about the money. But anyway, I'm going off this bizarre tangent here. But uh, Well, that was the classic one. Finally got a game in. Yeah, and, and Tim. You got to do it with Tim Durbin. Okay. So. That's, that's, and have yeah. you done it with Josh yet? Not yet, but we will. Okay. We'll get him. Yeah. Josh is a busy guy. Yeah, I know. And I here know. we go again, talking about Josh. <laughs> yeah, you sit down in front of the microphone. I'm going to hit record, Steve. Uh-oh. You know how this works. I, I guess I do, although usually I don't actually get to see you when we're talking. Stephen D. <laughs> Sullivan at The Bash. How you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. Actually got a, a good night's sleep, though I'm an hour behind because we're in the East and I'm in the Midwest, and so I think it's, uh, mm-hmm. what, 11 o'clock, 11.30 now? I have no sympathy. I'm from Portland. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the other side of the so country. So you're on three hours That's off, right. so it's, yeah. uh, what, 8 o'clock there, uh, 9 o'clock? I don't even know. <laughs> I lost track. What, is today Friday? <laughs> Apparently it is. Apparently it is. So the bash, kind of, sort of, it's been like a, a soft start, I guess is how you'd put it. You know, the movies are going, the dealer's room's not open yet, the, the guests of honor haven't really set up their tables or doing their thing yet, but... We're here, man. It's you're on. here, and you're you're right at the opening to the entire convention. That's so. right. So, uh, so what are you looking forward to at the bash? The most? Uh, well, obviously, we're looking forward to House of Gorgon. Okay. With the you know with Josh and the stars and hearing them talk about it, and they just uh, announced in the other room that they are expecting overflow flow crowds for that, so they're actually adding a second show. So it's a done deal. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's awesome. Ron announced the second show was going to happen. During the same time they're playing the you know, Revenge of the Creature, I think, in the drive-in movie outside. Excellent news. So, yeah, that's that's good. I'm a little concerned about getting in because that's one of the only two things that my wife wants to see. Okay, what's, what's the other one? <laughs> well, actually, three. She's going to see, we're going to watch the Gorgon in a couple of minutes. Oh, okay. The original okay. Gorgon is playing in uh, less than half an hour at this point. So we know where Josh is. Uh, yeah, one would assume he, he might be there, and if, if you don't know Josh, you can find it by his top hat. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> well, Gorgon's his favorite film. So. Oh, yeah, no, I know, I know. We talked about it a little bit when we did The Reptile yeah. on uh, Monster Kid Radio, some right. crazy show named Monster Kid Radio. Yeah, I don't so. know what that is. I don't know either, so... I don't know. Some backwater. I, I don't know. <laughs> MKR, isn't that a, isn't that a, a drug company? <laughs> it's- it should. We should have some merch. Right. There you go. <laughs> Drugs for monster kids. 
I wore my Monster Kid Radio shirt last night. Just I to, saw it. I saw just it. Just to arrive. It's from the uh, the previous printer, so uh, a little tight, and the, the yeah. paint is fading, which is why you switched. So. That's right. That's right. But uh, people who were here early got to see that. And, uh, awesome. They can get good ones at Tee Public, which there you go. I've heard it's having a sale right now. Oh, okay. This morning I saw 35% off, at least on some stuff. So cool. who knows? By the time you hear this, yeah. it may be there, maybe gone. Who knows? Who knows? So are you here all weekend? Yes. Awesome. Yep. Both my wife and I are here all weekend. This is my second bass, her first. Okay. Uh, and she's more of a kind of more of a sci-fi kid, though. She's read almost everything Stephen King has ever written. Okay. So she, her, her horror creds are pretty good. But monsters, not so much. Well, she's married to a monster kid, so right, I mean, that, mar- that counts for something. Right. My wife wants to, the other thing she wants to see is she wants to see uh, Boris Karloff as Fu Manchu. Which is a terrific movie and uh, very politically incorrect yeah, nowadays. Yeah, you know, the whole, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, had, we had Boris Karloff. I think Lugosi played him once. Christopher Lee played Fu Manchu. Yeah, more than more than once. Yeah. Five, five, six times? Yeah, it's not really something you'd see happen now. Right. No, it's, it's well, but no one's doing Fu Manchu at all at this point. So, you well, know, there was a Fu Manchu TV series, of course. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things. It's a... Obviously, the whole yellow peril is kind of out of fashion now. So and, and rightly so, and and rightly so, yeah. But no. yeah, but Boris's foo is a, he's kind of a delight. And uh, oh no, I, it's yeah. I mean, we can go into these things knowing that. Come on, I mean, we know not really cool to be doing the yellow face thing and the peril, but you know, not anymore. But these movies are close to seventy five years old. Yeah, I love Chris, Christopher Lee's my favorite Fu Manchu of that batch. Oh, I sure. really, I really like what he does. But the first two or three films he's in are just terrific. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he can go to like Peter Lorre doing Mr. Moto and all the yep. others, and yeah. Well, just, and Warner Roland, and yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, he's a very, very good Char- Charlie Chan. You know, yeah. both the Charlie Chan actors were white guys, and yep. and but I loved Charlie Chan growing up and stuff. Yep. And you know, maybe it's because I'm not, you know, uh, of Asian descent, but you know, you got to take things in the time in which they were made. Exactly, exactly. You know what I'm doing. Are you doing the classic five on me here live? Always, man. Oh, man. Here Everybody that sits down, I'm going to bust the cards out on them. I was going to bring my deck, but I forgot. It was the one thing I forgot that I meant to bring. Well, That's lucky for breaker. you, I you have, have some for sale if you want to buy another deck. I Steve. could buy another deck. You have a deck I don't have. That's the real question. I don't. There will be another deck soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I just didn't get my act together in time. <laughs> All right, here we go. Card number one. Who's your favorite mad scientist? Oh, I had a good answer for this and I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine has changed recently, so. Yeah, I mean, Pretorius is kind of the obvious. I had a good answer for this last time I heard it asked on the show, and I can't remember who it was. Who's who's your recent convert? Rotwang from Metropolis. That's the one? Yes. Yes, I'm sorry. R- Rotwang or Rotwang is... Or however you pronounce it. I don't know. It's a silent film, It's so. uh, It's probably Vong. Rotwang. That's what I thought. Yeah, is... Yeah, no. That's the one I changed to. Too, yeah. because someone else brought it up in your Metropolis cast, and I was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah, he's, no. he's seriously getting, the coolest mad scientist you see everywhere." That? Goosebumps thinking about. Oh my god, it. literally, yes. <laughs> I love that film so much. It's like prickling up on his forearm. Uh, right, it's really kind of creepy. Seriously, all right, it's not a full moon, is it? Card <laughs> <laughs> number two: Hammer horror or Hammer sci-fi? Uh, as much as I like Hammer sci-fi, and I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Quatermass in the Pit being a serious favorite sci-fi film, mm-hmm. uh, Hammer Horror. Yeah, it's it's Dracula. Yeah, it's the, it's Frankenstein, but especially Dracula. The, the breadth of what's available in that. I mean, there's just so much. Yeah, there's just, there's a lot more. Like lot one of the best, there. Captain Kronos. 
Captain Kronos. Not a bad film. Could have made a great series. Could have made a great series. I, I only say that because Scott and Dominique <laughs> are sitting here. They don't like the film because they don't know any better. All right, kind of <laughs> It's not one of my favorites, actually. I, I keep wanting to rewrite it. You know, as a writer, there's stuff like, oh, there's so much potential there. Why didn't you do? It could have been so much. Yeah, it could have been better. It could have. That's been. all I'm saying. I agree with that. <laughs> Diamond, Dominique agrees. If you can't hear her on the microphone, I wonder if maybe it was done like during the '60s. If it would have been. Honestly, I think if yeah. it had come during the classic Hammer period, it would have been a better film. Yeah. So, and that's no offense to anyone working on it or in right. it or anything. Right. It's like, but all, the elements of Kronos are all for me much cooler than the final assemblage of the yeah. film. I will give you that. I will so, give you that. All right. I think I'm going to predict the answer in this one. Ooh, okay. Um, just because I know of your work. What's your favorite black and white zombie film? It's probably White Zombie. That, that was, that's what I was going to guess. That's what I was going to guess. That's so. the, well, I did kind of write a book about it. So okay, the, we got, we got, everything has to stop right now. Uh-oh. Because the man is walking by the table. In the, in the top hat, and in he the, has to step over to the mic so people can at least hear him. The voice. The voice. Hello. <laughs> 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 that was the voice, uh, the the quiet voice of Joshua Kennedy's top hat. That's <laughs> Josh walking by with Dan and Tim. All three, I hope to get on the podcast this weekend. Yes. Are you going to be seeing the Gorgon in the? Yeah, I've never the... seen it before, so I'm really excited. <laughs> you might like it. I mean, I know. my wife's in there waiting for it to start. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was Joshua Kennedy. He's uh, brought many stars with him this year. That's right. To premiere right. House of the Gorgon, which we talked about briefly. So, yeah, uh, favorite black and white zombie movie. I was going to pick White Zombie because I know you did the novelization of it. Yep. Yeah, and I love that film. Very, very, very well done. You know, I walked with a zombie maybe kind of close second, at least right off the top of my head. I love White Zombie. And, of course, Night of the Living Dead, but White right. Zombie. Yeah, Night of the Living Dead's very good. A terrific film. And I'd probably go, yeah, I'm saying, yeah. White Zombie, you know. White Zombie. I mean, it's, it's got its flaws because it is of, of its time. But considering they had no money to work with, they get a great Bela Lugosi performance and a lot of creepy stuff, and it's it's just a really cool film. It's way above, it's fighting way above its weight class. So I'm being prompted here. This is how you can tell I'm not 100% on all cylinders. You know it's a really great black and white zombie movie, of which there's a podcast being produced right now about. Well, yeah, that's that, right. Would that be Plan 9? Plan 9 from outer <laughs> space, man. <laughs> Plan9by9.com. Check it out. Plan9by9. All right. Here's another hammer card for you, Steve. What's your favorite hammer film monster design? Hammer film monster design. Ooh. Okay. That's tricky. Should I say the grasshopper creatures from from Quatermass in the Pit? That's really strong. I like that a lot. I'm getting... Kind of discount all the vampires because they're not really monster designs. They didn't you know? do much. I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, just adding adding teeth and and uh, you know either big robes or diaphanous gowns. That's not much of a design. I do like the the Christopher Lee Frankenstein quite a lot, but the the grasshopper creatures are really kind of creepy. And they cool. are very cool, and that's what pops into my head. So I'll go with it. I really like the Oliver Reed Wolfman. Oh, yeah, really, that, that's, that is a really good um, Wolfman design. You're I, right. I wanted more of it. And yeah. It's... And you I, know, and their, their mummies are not bad, too, but... I, okay. Honestly, they're monsters for me compared to the 
Jack Pierce makeups, and the Jack Pierce makeups yeah, are they're tough. better. Yeah. <laughs> no I, offense to Hammer. I've never seen this written or confirmed anywhere, but I'm pretty sure the Wolfman from Curse of the Werewolf influenced the Wolfman from the Monster Squad. I'm, I, I, I see, oh, sure, yeah. I see some connections there, right down to the white shirt with the cuff still intact, but the sleeves ripped up. Right. I well, mean, and there may be some Nashy influence, too, there. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and vice versa. I mean, yeah. I'm sure Nashy saw that as, as well for his Wolfman. Wow, we got another hammer card, man. They're all fucking the This must be in honor of all the hammer stars. It's in the air, man. Who are here. Not counting the original, what's your favorite Hammer Dracula film? And it's okay if you don't say Brides of Dracula. No, it's the second one. (laughs) It's not going to be Brides of Dracula because Dracula's not in Brides of Dracula. And we've had that debate before. (laughs) I know, I know. It's going to be, is it the second one? Is Dracula Prince of Darkness? Is Prince of Darkness the the third Dracula, the second Christopher Lee Dracula film? Prince of Darkness, the second one? It's the, it's the one where they resurrect him, which I really, really like. But then the one that Veronica Carlson's in, the third one, I really, really like, no, too. And that's, that's Taste the Blood of Dracula. That's right? Taste the... No, no. Taste the Blood is the one with Ralph Bates. And, that's really, and Ralph Bates is not Veronica Carlson. Right. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> not not for me, anyway. <laughs> all right, you experts. You're all sitting here. What are the, what are the names? That's Dracula, Josh, Prince of Josh da- Dra- it's Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and then Dracula is risen from, from the, the grave. grave. That's it. If only we had some magical device that everyone carries in their pocket that has all the knowledge of the world in it. But I'm pretty sure it's Dracula, Prince of Darkness, the second one, uh, and the the third one. We are so bad. How are we getting this so wrong? We should know (laughs) this, man. It's, you know, Friday morning and some of us drove or flew eight hours or more. So that's how. I think Scott's looking it up on his phone. Scott's looking it up. He's going to come to our rescue here. Are you not looking time. anything up? I can't. No, oh, can't. I thought that's what you were doing. I'm so sorry. Oh, he's just looking at his phone for other things oh, while we're doing okay. this. Well, I have my phone. All right. Are you going to look it up? I'm telling you, it's, it's Dracula, Prince of Darkness. And then it's it's Dracula's Risen from the Grave. They do kind of get And then it's Taste the Blood yeah. of Dracula. I think they they all though the Dracula You'll films <laughs> the Dracula films Bring and page over here He'll know. yeah the Dracula films and Universal's mummy films I always get oh the Universal mummy films I always get them scrambled the, tomb shadow whatever. yeah I always get the title <laughs> scrambled it's like I know which ones they are but I can't yeah. remember which title goes with which one so. since we're right here in the in the opening of this thing people are just wandering by all sorts of interesting people. So that Christopher Page. Yeah, interesting by. people and Christopher Page. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't hear that. Some near people and Christopher Page. Anyway, was that, was that five? Did we have five? Right. Are we... Two, so. Prince of Darkness oh, is the third one. Prince of Darkness Prince is of, the third. It's the second Dracula movie. Okay. Brides <laughs> is the second vampire movie, but has no yeah, Dracula in Russo. it. I agree. So <laughs> there's, this debate will continue. I love Brides. I think Brides is a great vampire film. But it's not a Dracula film, and you asked about Dracula, so there you go. But it's not <laughs> the the word Dracula in the title is merely a descriptive. It's not saying Dracula's in it. It's saying like, like it's it's the bride, right? Well, oh, Dracula. That's the descriptor. That's you're a writer. You know how these word I'm, things I'm will, work. I'm willing to go with that. But you did ask what was my favorite. <laughs> well, but <laughs> I'm with Scott. Brides of the Vampire. Hello again. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Celebrity oh, guests wow. wandering by. Anyway, it's uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Okay. Followed very closely by Taste the Blood of Dracula. Where does Scars of Dracula fall for you? 
Uh, I actually like it better than a lot of people do. Yeah? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's got a lot of cool stuff. Back when we were doing 1951 Down Place, that's when I was really excited about Scott seeing. It's odd. Yeah, it's odd. Others. It's hard to see. that the, It doesn't kind of have a, a traditional hero in it. Um, it's got a little more sadism than usual. Derek's phone is telling him he's supposed to take his meds now. No. <laughs> or he's warning him that the, the Gorgon is about to start, and shouldn't you really be seeing the Gorgon? I've seen the Gorgon so many times, man. Besides, if I see it too much, I'll turn to stone. Right. Ah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm going to let you get to the Gorgon. Thank you, Steve. I'm sure we'll chat again. Was that five? Did we do five? That was fun. You want to do a oh six, just in case? Sure, I'll do one more if For you want. safety. Oh, <laughs> who else could have or should have played a mad scientist? Can bring it back around. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, uh, well, that's really tricky because the ones you think of are the ones that... have already done it. already done it. You know, you think of you think of Boris, you think of Bela, you think of uh, Vincent Price, you think of... Yeah, Price, uh, Carradine's done it. Christopher Lee didn't do many mad scientists. He did Jekyll once. Does that count? Was he? But he wasn't actually Doctor Jekyll, though, was he? I think he was in, in oh, uh, the one Doctor Jekyll film, which is uh, which isn't really. It's it's the one that he did for Amicus, right? Yeah, it's the Amicus. I monster. I monster. Yep, yeah. Thank you. I was groping for the name too, so maybe that qualifies. Uh, yeah, gosh, I mean, all the faces a, that I'm going to. Donald Pleasance has done it. The uh, trick is thinking of someone that you really love to see doing do it that hasn't really done it and I'm right now I'm drawing a blank so I guess we'll leave that to the listeners who do you think should have played a mad scientist that hasn't I'm going with Christopher Lee because I'm going to say Dr. Jekyll just once maybe that doesn't count (laughs) we've never had this guy on the show before but he's a monster bash regular a mainstay you can tell because he's wearing the bright orange shirt trying to compete with my shirt for for most attention grabbing, it's Kevin Slick. Yes, yes. How you doing, man? Great, great. The Monster Bash is happening, and uh, yeah, been at the Monster Bash since the very first one. Wow. Um, Ron Adams and I actually met when we were in junior high, when we were like 11, 12 years old, 12, 13, wow. something like that. Um, and we used to you know, stay up late and watch Veronica Carlson and <laughs> Dracula's that sort of thing on uh-huh. the late movie and uh, read famous monsters of film land and, and listen to old rock and roll records. And now all these years later, we stay up late watching vampire movies, reading famous monsters and listening to old rock and roll records. <laughs> so time never passes or right. it just goes around in a circle. Something I don't know which, like that. Yeah. What's this whole growing up thing? I don't understand. Yeah. Well, it's like one of the times um, when I came back from the bash, yeah. I was telling someone about what I did, what, what, we, what went on. And they made the comment. They said, it sounds like a lot of people who never grew up. And I said, no, these are the people who never gave up. Who oh. never gave up believing in magic, never gave up, you know, the wonder of childhood in all, in all its best ways. Yeah. And, and it's on display here in, in living color, that's for sure. You've been with the Bash from the beginning when they were at mm-hmm. the other hotel, and yeah. now you're here. Has it just continued to grow every year? Yeah, it's, I mean, the first the first one was at a, at a small hotel in, in Ligonier, mm-hmm. and that's the one that had uh, Forrie Ackerman and Bela Jr. and Sarah Karloff and Ron Chaney. 
um, all together. We had a birthday party for Forey there. It was when he was 80, I think, in 1997. Yeah. And he did the stamps then, too. Yeah, they had the, the, uh, the Postal Service had the stamps. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't remember how many people were there, but it wasn't a very big, wasn't a very big hotel, and it was, uh, it wasn't a very big staff of us either. That was, uh, one of the things we often reminisce about is r- the hotel was right down the street from where Ron lived. So we all stayed yeah. at his house and um, we only had one staff shirt each. And so we'd go home at night and wash them at <laughs> like midnight and pull them out of the dryer. And uh, you'd be trying to sleep while the people next to you were, you know, arguing over who had the most authentic portrayal of Dracula or something like that. Because there was like 10 people <laughs> camped out in his living room or something like that. It was Lugosi. No, no, it was, it was Christopher Lee. Come on. So that sounds like the best slumber party ever. It was. It was. <laughs> they should have made it move. That was slumber party massacre right there. That would have been that would have been it. Somebody yes. get Josh Kennedy. Yes, there we go. (laughs) We we do have to tell them about the Val Luton, Mary Poppins idea. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. And so Kevin was uh, here when we were doing the Classic Five game with Dan. And uh, the what uh, what movie do you want to see turn into a musical card came up. And Mm -hmm. he suggested flipping it. What musical do you want to see turn into a horror movie? And somehow we ended up with... Mary Poppins, Val Luton's version of Mary Poppins. Because the original Mary Poppins books are actually kind of dark and, and more intriguing than just the light and happy. And, you know, I'm, I love the Sherman Brothers songs that sure. they did for Disney. It was wonderful. But just thought that that's a film that needs to be shadow laden and and probably a small budget to make them force force them to uh, come up with some really yeah. great, great scenes there. I don't know what other musicals would be great as as flipped i don't know i don't but, know uh, I, I don't know how you can beat that's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's that's amazing i would god i want to see that so every anybody that you know that makes movies just start pitching this idea some <laughs> someday we're gonna see this i know <laughs> that somebody took mary poppins and like recut it as a horror movie trailer oh yeah have you uh, seen that on youtube it's no years ago I, i've seen a few of those ones where they do that where they yeah. take yeah they did it with mary poppins and i mean it's you know it's it's fun but yeah I want, no, I, I want it serious. Is, yes, yeah. I, want, I want it seriously done. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Over the years, what are some of your favorite Monster Bash memories? Uh, well, the first the first Bash was mm-hmm. was great, partly because, um, you know, it was just it was this crazy idea that Ron had. Like, oh, let's, let's let's do this thing and let's let's do it. I think when he first first pitched the idea, it was less than a year away from when it actually happened. I know he he got in touch with Bob Pellegrino, who's another Bash guy, and uh, he called me up and he said, "Weren't you in junior high? Weren't you in the projectionist club and ran projectors?" He said, "We're doing this thing, and I need people to run sixteen millimeter projectors. You know how to do that, right?" And I was like, "Sure, okay." And um, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that Ron always does is whenever he's got an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, we worked in radio together for many years too. He brings in all his friends. He calls all his friends and like, hey, come do this thing. But the first year, I think the thing that was just most wonderful was uh, meeting Forey Ackerman. You know, I came into the hotel on the first day when we were setting up and there's Forey just sitting there. And I, I went and I wanted to thank him because it was through FM that I not only discovered Lon Chaney, but then I discovered that I love silent movies and it just that became a lifelong fascination. And so... 
you know, I said to him, you know, thanked him for that. And, and anyone who ever spent time with four, he knows he was like a jukebox, you know, it's like, when you say something like that to him, it's like you put a quarter in and then he's like, oh, well, look at my ring. And he opens up, he has this ring and he opens it up and says, this is a piece of, you know, uh, putty from, uh, you know, or, you know, <laughs> makeup from Lon Chaney's makeup box, you know, and then he's like off to the races with stories. And it was just like, this is the greatest thing in the world. You know, <laughs> that was just so, um, so fascinating. So wonderful. And then at that same bash, I remember, uh, telling a friend later or talking to him on the phone. They're like, well, what did you know? They said, well, I did this and this and this. And he said, what did you do? I said, well, I sit next to Bela Lugosi Jr. and watched his father in Dracula this afternoon. Top that, <laughs> you know, and that was like, it was one of those things where you just look around and you think, wow. Yep. Yeah, this is actually going on. I can't believe this. That's, so, you know, and as a monster kid growing up, I mean, that's got to be like. And there's so many, there's so many yeah. wonderful guests that have been here over the years. And, and back again, one time before when Veronica Carlson was here, I, you know, play with the Bash Boys, our little garage band thing. And, and she and a bunch of the Hammer Girls were there and they were dancing and having a grand time. And it was like late on Saturday night. And I talked to her afterwards. I said, you know, Ron and I used to stay up late on a Saturday night to watch you on TV and you're staying up late on a Saturday night to watch me do this crazy stuff. Isn't this a funny world? Isn't it amazing the way that that sort of thing goes? That's, anyway, that's you know. amazing. And, and one of yeah. the things that I like about all the guests that come in is that they're just people. Yeah. You know, they're, they're you talk about Veronica Carlson. She's a yeah. sweetheart. She is. She is. And she's so thoughtful and interesting. She told one time, so I, maybe I asked her in one of the Q&As about how she got started. And she had this lovely story about playing uh, the Virgin Mary in a Christmas play and then being di- being sort of dis- disappointed to learn that she wasn't actually the star of the play. It was the baby that was that everyone was there for. It's like, well, let's rewrite this thing then because right? I should have been the star of that one. Uh, <laughs> And yeah, and there's so many of the folks here are just really nice. And I think part of that comes from the way Ron has set up the bash. You know, I know, know some conventions are much faster paced and, and maybe some bigger, more modern stars and things like that. It gets, it gets kind of crazy. But um, the emphasis here is always on being friendly, you know, being nice to people, have hey, people come and have a nice time. We're talking about this guy here. He is. The main thing here is no one is friendly. <laughs> don't trust anybody says says ron adams yes right there. It, it is a real friendly convention i love the people yeah. here the people that i've had a chance to meet over mm-hmm. the years um i've never had a bad experience with anybody here and yeah it's just it's wonderful and i and part of it's the staff i mean you guys do an amazing job you're doing godzilla's work and um i mean you're just really knocking it out you guys set up and and I don't mm-hmm. go more than a few minutes without seeing somebody in an orange shirt mm-hmm. asking somebody else if they need anything. Yeah. Everybody's just so friendly and willing to help out. Uh, you play with the Bash Boys. Is that mm-hmm. your primary thing over the weekend? Um, I'm filming a lot of, of what's going on because we like to put out a DVD each year of mm-hmm. um, sort of the highlights of the show. Sure. So I'm filming most of the talks and also just sort of the general vibe of what's going on. I like to go around and, and, and uh, get video of some of the obscure, interesting little old toys and, mm. and magazines and things like that and books that, that, that people have here. Um, so just to try to give people an idea of what it is that goes on, sure. you know, and why you should come here to, uh, yeah, to Mars I mean, PA. 
Yeah, it's it's amazing. I'm I'm younger than you. Yes. Um, you know, I grew up in the '80s and such, '70s and '80s and '90s. So I didn't have the experience of growing up with famous monsters. Mm-hmm. That's that famous monsters anyway, yeah. or, or watching these movies late on a Saturday night because I could just run a VHS tape or whatever. Yeah. So I, I'm fascinated to hear these stories, and I'm jealous of you guys for being able to to look back and have those experiences, and just it's amazing. And I appreciate people like you and Ron mm-hmm. and, and such sharing those memories and experiences with us mm-hmm. through the bash. Yeah. It's just. Yeah, there's good, about it, man. There's, there's there's certainly charming and wonderful elements about about that time of of you know scouring like the TV guide to see yeah. what was going to be on. Um, I certainly appreciate a lot of the things that we have now. I, I, I like a lot of obscure music, and so I remember at, at a certain time I was like, oh, if you're looking for this old, you know folk music record from the 1920s you're gonna like you you could go to new york or something like that and see if you could or you'd hear some about somebody that had it and they'd tape it whereas yeah. now it's like well okay i could just pop on, on my phone here i'll just yep. google it and see where it is and find it and do that yep. which is uh, is great so and that's great too because a lot more people are um i find like a come to the bash are a lot more literate about old these old movies than mm-hmm we ever could have been because we just had fm was like our our total source for it now but you, you listen to some of the q and a's here people are asking these questions about <laughs> christopher neem was in there they're asking him these questions about you know who was the set designer on dracula 80 1972 where, where they were just telling him oh yes you remember this and such a guy and that thing and it's like where do you know all this stuff how do you find yeah. all this stuff but there's yeah i i remember at that time like starting to read fm and then it was like Oh, you could write. You could write for your letter, and he'll send you an autographed. It's one of it's so a drawing cool. of him as the uh, as the monster with oh. the, with the sort of uh, son of Frankenstein uh-huh. bolts on the head there. And um, yeah, I remember getting that in the mail, and I was like, "Wow, that's just the coolest, the coolest thing." That and, is awesome. Um, and so maybe that was that was probably something a special time that maybe isn't. I don't know, maybe things are just too fast-paced now. Because I remember at that same time, we were into comic books, like a lot of us. Mm-hmm. I remember remember writing Stan Lee a letter about some, you know, thing that I had read and getting a response, you know, getting it was typed, but it's signed by him, you know, and it was so funny. Cool. And, and who has time to do that now? I don't right. Know. Uh, earlier, you mentioned silent film. Yeah. I've liked a few silent movies over the years, mm-hmm. but recently I've really started to appreciate yeah. them in, in watching more than just the horror stuff. You know? yeah. Of course, I watch Phantom of the Opera and mm-hmm. Hunchback and all these, but yeah. um, when we talked about Metropolis on the show not too long ago, it kind of opened mm-hmm. up a, a door for me, mm-hmm. and now I'm just enjoying everything I see. Uh, what are some of your favorite silent films? Sunrise is okay. probably one of my favorites. Uh, it won, actually, in the first year for the Academy Awards, they gave out uh, more than one Best Picture Award that year. Okay. Um, I think Wings also won. But uh, Sunrise, uh, which is F.W. Murnau, oh, um, okay, made it in Hollywood. I guess he had come to Hollywood and uh, and made some films uh, and died very young. Yeah, I think in an accident of some sort. I like Intolerance, uh, which was so good. D.W. Griffith's sort of follow up, as it as it were, to Birth of a Nation, and perhaps his his attempt to redeem himself a bit from that. A oh, way down east with uh, Lillian Gish okay. and Richard Barthelmus. It's one that, and a lot of these films have, I mean, Sunrise is one that to me is just like gorgeous from start to finish. Way Down East is one of these ones that, that has sort of a comic 
scene in the middle or you know where they or they have a character that's kind of the comic relief but it's played so broadly it kind of distracts from the the otherwise serious okay and engaging uh film um well any of cheney's things laugh clown laugh is he who gets slapped uh is a favorite uh the penalty oh my goodness the penalty is that's still frightening uh i think it's still intense some of his ones where he's kind of a gangster i've done a few of the films at the bash here playing the music for them and then some of them have been put out on on dvd alpha released some they did use my version of cat and canary Um, but they also used a score of mine for outside the law which is a cheney film and that's a pretty captivating one because he's a he's a gangster and he's really there's (laughs) there's one scene it's like so perfect for his character he and his friends are at a, at a restaurant and they're, they're plotting whatever the thing is they're going to do. And they're leaving and the one guy, you know, puts down a tip. Mm-hmm. And before Cheney leaves, his character just kind of looks side to side and grabs the tip and sticks it in his pocket and, <laughs> and leaves. And it's like these beautiful little moments like that. Um, that's part of what, what I think what makes silent movies for me captivating is because you really have to pay attention you have to watch them really closely because you know it's all being told with with what's what's happening there it does take a a different mindset or approach faust is a great one now that one i have seen yeah that one i have seen like i said i've I've seen the genre stuff yeah phantom and i love nosferatu i love that and the golem is one of my favorites yeah but it's some of the the non-genre stuff or or, or Mm -hmm. a little bit more off, off from that beaten path. Yeah, oh. We're still not friendly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that I really enjoy. And Josh Kennedy actually yeah. recommended me uh, watch a movie called Napoleon. I guess oh, it's like yes. five hours oh, long. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that Abel Gantz. Yeah, that's... Is that's, it good? Oh, yes. It's incredible. Yeah, there's like... Well, there's... You know, there's early silence, mm-hmm. like Broken Blossoms with Lily yeah. Gish is a powerful, powerful movie. Uh, and Napoleon is, is in what I sort of like later era silence, like some of Garbo, Greta Garbo's films, like Flesh and the Devil is a fascinating one where she's a, just a really horrible person. <laughs> the Mysterious Lady is a, is another excellent one where, um, you know, it's a, it's a good drama. Those are later era silence. And, um, you see the, the film quality and some of those are just so captivating because they weren't tied down as they would be a few years later with having to have everyone near a microphone yeah and the the cinematic art had developed such that they made some of these really wonderful huge epic films mm-hmm. um you know it was like the imagination was was completely unbridled and they were just able to work with whatever and i think they developed audiences to sort of like follow along with this is you know i'm going to show you something and you know this is this means this this is what i'm telling you in the story and you understand this i don't need to belabor it but i can do these wonderful kind of shots and really atmospheric kinds of things so right on yeah, yeah I, I need to watch more i need to watch more silent film that's always a great thing and if you can see them with you know there's some wonderful orchestras out there the mount alto orchestra for example is one that does some wonderful live performances mm-hmm. that's great i think you know i hardly encourage everyone to go check it out but it but it's it's worth having the caveat that it's it takes some concentration it's like it's like you know telling someone oh you really need to go read edgar Allan poe and it's like well if you're not familiar with the yeah. language and the writing of that era you need a little kind of guide as yep. to it's a different know. approach it's, yeah and 
I mean, I, f- I find that even with the classic monster movies that we love so much, is yeah. that it's, sometimes it's a slightly different approach. And, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's a hard sell to get my wife to watch some of this stuff yes. <laughs> because she doesn't, she's not into mm-hmm. it the way I am. You know, so. And speaking of the, the silence, uh, the, the one that we showed last year at the bash that uh, Josh Kennedy made. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the St. Augustine Saint monster. monster. Yeah. That had just every element of, like, his eye. He He's a really... He's a smart guy. Here we go again. Like, <laughs> and I'm not getting any money for this. <laughs> but but he's, you know, when I watched that, I thought, this is a guy that's really paid attention to the way silent movies look and feel mm-hmm. and the editing and just the look of it, even the lighting and things like that. And the acting there's a certain, style. Yeah, the acting style. The makeup. I mean. Right. There's, there's, a certain, mm-hmm. there's a certain look about it and thing about it. That, yeah, it's kind of like, well, you we mentioned musicals, like, you know think about musicals what a weird thing that like there's a storyline where people walk around and they all of a sudden start singing what what's that about yeah. but you have you know you get into it and you believe it and then you love it so, yeah a good way well no appearance on monster kid radio would be complete without playing around of the classic five excellent so, kevin all let's right. do this here card okay. number one which do you prefer the monsters or the adams family the monsters when i was a kid for sure and i think that was partly because they were on the tv channel that came in clearer in my house <laughs> yeah. but over time, the Adams family, I think, because the humor is a little more sardonic and 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 dark uh, in it. So it was once the monsters, but the Adams family has won out. Okay, uh, this is actually from our Universal expansion. Okay. Oh, okay. Which movie do you prefer, Dracula's Daughter or Son of Dracula? Wow, they're both. I, I love them both. I I might go with Son of Dracula partly because it seems like that film has n- never often had like a lot of love. But I think Lon Chaney Jr. is a pretty commanding vampire. Yes. And, I mean, he's big. He's And, and there's that one scene where where the guy comes to investigate and, and he's like, you know, now I am the master. You know, <laughs> and the guy like, what are you doing here? You know, I too wondered about that noise in the base. And he's so, so sly. And it's like, you, you know, it's like, you're a dead man, man. Because <laughs> Lon's got your number. He knows what's going on. I, I do love them both, too. Yeah. But. I do think Son of Dracula gets a lot of unneeded um, criticism or hate. It's, yeah. He does just fine. And, yeah. and Evil and Anchors isn't that, too, right? I mean, yes. You, and you yeah. can never go wrong with Evil and Anchors. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. All right, card number three. The Amazing Colossal Man or Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Hmm. I would go with the 50-Foot Woman, again, partly because, you know, how often do we get to see a woman monster get in there and, like, kick some butt and, good, good uh, point. you know... So, yeah, I think that that one and maybe it's like the the movie posters and such for that or some of the the I remember seeing the photos in FM and thing and they just somehow seem more iconic to me. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That That's that's the one. Fair enough. This is a Monster Bash exclusive deck that I created last year. Excellent. What two classic science fiction movies would make the perfect double feature? I might be inclined to go. Let's see for a double feature of ones. Um, Gosh. You know, I, uh, of course, The Day the Earth Stood Still is the first one that comes to mind. It's just like, what a what a great film that would be. But then, so maybe would I take one that's got like a more serious quality to that and then combine it with, you know, It Came From Outer Space or would I combine it with This Island Earth, which are ones that, that strike me as a little more fun and they've got a little more, uh, yeah. they're not quite as as 
thoughtful and and like message laden as that. Yeah. That might be that might be what I want. Give me the deep film and in the palate cleanser because hey, because like the mutants in in this. <laughs> that's I love that you know yep. I love everything about that film and I love that it's also not a super serious film. Although fine acting and fine story and sure. music, you know, it's got all kinds of wonderful points on it mm-hmm. and all levels. So yeah, I'll go with that. All right, final card, final question. <laughs> oh God, Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing? Wow. Well, I'll I'll go with Christopher Lee on that. And the only and the only and just you know I, I'm just going with like the first thing that pops into okay. my mind. Um, the one of the things that I loved about watching Christopher Lee in the films was just his physical presence. There's, there's a, I know there's a one scene, and I can't remember which Dracula it is, but there's one where he's in, uh, is like stalking out of the castle, and his cape is flared out behind him, and it's like this guy could kick your butt. I mean, let alone like turn you into a vampire, he could like beat the living daylights out of you because he is like a commanding guy. And the, you know that climactic scene where where he fights Cushing, and Cushing, you know. Okay, yeah, he pulls the drapes down. Yeah, good, yeah, great move. That was that was cool. I pre- appreciate it. But you know, he would he would have kicked your butt otherwise. If, if, the, if, the, if the windows hadn't been there, Chris really would have done it. So, right yeah, yeah, I, I'm usually in, on on Team Cushing, but mm. you're right. There is a presence. Yeah, Lee just has this presence. That- mm-hmm. One year uh, when we did Nosferatu here at the at the Bash. Um, they had me made up as Nosferatu um, oh, wow. to play the music for it, um, <laughs> along awesome. with it, and um, and so we were. And that was one year when the, all the Hammer girls were there, and so we did all these pictures of me harassing the the Hammer women, and so. I said to Veronica Carlson, they're like, well, get in, get in, like, and bite, you know, like, you're going to bite her neck, get in and bite her, bite her neck or something. And so I said, you know, is that okay? Is that, is that all right? And then I kind of joked, I said, well, you've been bitten in the neck before. And, and she laughed and she goes, yes, but that was Christopher. And he was gorgeous. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. I, like, I got it. <laughs> As Nosferatu, I am not gorgeous. But <laughs> That's amazing. Kevin, thanks for doing this. Well, thank man. you. What you're playing tomorrow night? Uh, the Bash Boys are playing tonight. Oh, tonight. Yep, That's right. Yep. Yeah. And and I'll just be roaming around taking pictures all right weekend. On. Thank I'll, you for I'll this you for your show. It's great. Oh, I love it. Thanks. I appreciate that. Is a podcast a show or is it like something to do? You call it a show. Is I call it, it a show. Okay, then it's, it a show. it's a show. It's I a like show. it. It's a good show. We're going to do our first recording here at Monster Bash on Saturday with Ron. Is it McCluskey? Am I saying McCluskey? Right? Yes, sir. Excellent. How you doing, man? I am doing great. Technically, it is the. Um, Second day of summer, or the first full day of summer. Oh, is it? Oh, well, yeah. there you go. It's a good way to kick it off, right? And uh, the summer has a lot to do with Frankenstein. Did you know that? Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me more. Okay. 1816 in the history books. Okay. It's known as the year without a summer. Okay. And that's because there was a volcanic eruption. The ash and soot covered most of the planet. It was cold and rainy and damp all year long. Okay. Nobody could enjoy themselves. Now, what has that got to do with Frankenstein? Well, that's the same year, 1816, that Mary Shelley and her group decided to go vacation in Geneva. Nice. They were going to go go out and boat and picnic and hike. Couldn't do anything. They were bored out of their minds. So at one point, one of the group says, why don't we have a ghostwriting story contest? They did. Everyone thought of one except for Mary Shelley. Until the last night, 
She had a nightmare. The next day she told the story and she won the contest. And that was the beginning of Frankenstein. That's awesome. Yeah. When you think back to where we are now with Frankenstein mm-hmm. and, and its place in not just the genre circles, but pop culture altogether, right. to think that it came from such a I mean, random event, right. it's just amazing and astounding and, and really speaks to the quality and the, the longevity right. of what she came up with. We wouldn't be right. doing all this without her. Correct. And, you know, it's also uh, a lot of people get confused on the dates and her age and all that stuff. But just to restate the facts, again, she thought of it in 1816. Mm-hmm. Her birthday was in August. Mm-hmm. She technically was 18 years old when she first started writing it. Wow. It wasn't published, though, until 1818. Right. So it took almost two years. But that means last year was the 200th anniversary. It is the most popular horror story of all time. Mm-hmm. It predates everything, including Chuck on High, Dracula, Hunchback of Notre Dame, everything. Mm-hmm. And it's never been out of print. Just an amazing story. I've read in places, and, and I can't tell you what source it was, um, but I have read before that Frankenstein is the most adapted story to film. Yeah. That, that it's been adapted more times than the Bible. It's right. just insane how crazily Frankenstein has infiltrated what we do and, and what we love. I mean, I love right. it. Right. And Frankenstein is the dictionary word. A lot of people don't know that. Is a, it in the dictionary? That's, Frankenstein that's amazing. is defined as a creation that overcomes its creator. I love and that's that exactly, so much. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. Now, here's the great thing that Mary Shelley did, and I think she did this on purpose. She never described exactly how the monster came to life. Okay. So that leaves that open. She never really described in detail what the monster looked like, so that was left open. That's true. And that's exactly where Hollywood came in, and in 1931, did an amazing job. And to me, that is, is the credit to three geniuses. Jack Pierce, the makeup man. Oh, yeah. James Will, the director, and Boris Karloff, the actor. Those three created an image that, as you see, we can't walk through these rooms without seeing that image. Somewhere. Right. You can't walk in, a, in any store in October and not see that image. Yep. That's how important that movie became. And I'm sure Universal is very happy about that because they're still making money off oh, it. Oh, absolutely. In <laughs> fact, to me, the three traits of a Frankenstein monster look is a flat head, mm-hmm. a scar on the face, and then the bolts. Right. And if you do those three things, you're trying to do a Frankenstein. And at least two of those things don't even appear in the original novel. It did not have a flat top. It didn't have that, bolts in the neck. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. I think Mary Shelley did that on purpose so that you could interpret your own vision of what the monster looked mm-hmm. like. Now, your show, which I love because it has the word kids in it, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what those movies affected the most were the kids. In mm-hmm. fact, James Warren, who founded Famous Monsters of Filmland, uh, I call him the Hugh Hefner for kids. because he. I took, love that so much. <laughs> he took a void. He took just a, this great thing that was going on and decided to make a magazine out of that craze, out of those, those love of monsters. And so many, I, I'm sure you know the list, but Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and all these young filmmakers... As kids, love these magazines. Joe Dante, John Landis, all these guys. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's amazing. Um, I, I want to do some rapid-fire questions with sure. you about Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And, and I think I know the answer to this. Yep, go Favorite ahead. actor to portray the monster? It's definitely Karloff. And, and, and just to let you know how great his performance is mm-hmm. when you look at all the actors that have come after him. You know, yeah. years ago when we were growing up, like I'll give you an example, James Bond. You know, you, you grow up, you see Sean Connery, you go, well, that's it. There's only one actor. Then all of a sudden they put Roger Moore, and then all of a sudden this guy. And now, I don't know, it's maybe up to eight people that have played the same character. 
Well, the same thing with Frankenstein. Once Frankenstein was made, I was going to say, okay, who's going to go back and redo that? All the way up to Robert De Niro. People have gone back to right? do their own interpretation. Hands down, he's the best there was. Favorite actor to play the doctor? Well, now, see, now you're going to get me caught up on wordage because I'm a real freak on wordage. But you ready for okay. this? Okay. If we go back to the novel, and the even if you go back to the Idiot. film, there never, never was a Dr. Frankenstein. And you know why? Because he was a medical student that never graduated. That's right. Never. It wasn't until Son of Frankenstein that they called him a doctor. Okay. But technically, there was never a doctor, okay. Frankenstein. There was never an eager e- or, no. or a hunchback in the beginning. That's all from the book. Correct. Yeah, yeah from the book. So sometimes people get real picky on. But anyway, back to your, your uh, question. I say Colin Clive. Again, he was so wonderful. And, and it, it proved how great he was because he played the same character in both films. Mm-hmm. Variety Frankenstein as well. Unfortunately, he died way too young, but he did. just good actor. Yeah. Favorite Frankenstein sequel? I'm going to have to say Bride because it was not only the performance, which I know, again, a lot of people know Karloff didn't want to speak, but he, he created just this voice and this, this wonderful way of portraying it. Mm-hmm. And the score, the musical score. Uh, I don't think you can get a better score than Franz Waxman, who did the score for Bride of Frankenstein. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So good. So if there was a non-universal Frankenstein film, what would you watch if you had to watch it? Well, I am very partial to this filmmaker that's still making movies and still wants to remake Frankenstein, and that's Guillermo del Toro. Oh, man. Uh, He made The Shape of Water, Mm -hmm. and in my opinion, that was an update version of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm -hmm. And I know it's on his bucket list because I interviewed him and I talked to him. Yeah. He has said for 20 years his goal is to make Frankenstein, but he's waiting. So I don't... I don't know if he's waiting for the right actor, the right time, or whatever, but I would definitely be anxious. And I'm one of these people, too. When some people make a film, a, a lot of people will go out and say, okay, a new Frankenstein film. They come back, no, that was stupid. They wasted time. They wasted money. I applaud them. Listen, if somebody wants to go and tell the story again and do their own take and spend their own money, go ahead. Like this last one, I, I think the most recent one was Victor Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, With uh, Aaron Eckhart, right? Yeah. yeah I no, no, was, wait, no, that was I, Frankenstein. Was it Victor Frankenstein with Daniel Radcliffe? Yes, and, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. I think it was first going to be called Igor. Yeah. And then I think people thought nobody's going to know who that is. Yeah. I thought it was okay. It was great. I, I love Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. What Kenneth Branagh did. I you love know? the music in that. Patrick mm-hmm. Doyle's score in that film yeah. is, it transcends everything. Yeah. I love that. Probably my second favorite Frankenstein score, right after Franz Waxman. <laughs> oh, because okay. Because Waxman's music is beautiful. But yeah. Patrick Doyle's Frankenstein score from the uh, 94, is that when yeah. that came out? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that score is I'll gorgeous. tell you a score that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about Frankenstein films. Young Frankenstein. The music in that is just beautiful. Is that John Morris? Yes, who okay. just died recently. Very yeah. good boy. You know your music stuff. I love my film scores. Yeah. I collect them. So yeah. You know, so that, do you agree, John Morris? John great Morris's stuff. stuff is really good. Yeah. It's phenomenal yeah. stuff. So if you had to pick a favorite score, then would it be Bride or would you? Yeah, go? it would have to be Bride. Okay. Although again, uh, John Morris, what he did was just just fabulous. Great stuff. You know, going back to Del Toro doing Frankenstein, yeah. I'd love to see him do it, teaming up with Doug, with Doug yeah. Jones. Yeah. I think Doug Jones would be an amazing Frankenstein monster. Just the way he's able to move his body would be phenomenal. Okay. See, now I think I think Michael, is it Stratton? Oh. He was in The Shape of Water, right? Yeah. His build and his face? Oh, wow. I'm telling you, he's the guy. He's the guy. As long as they know before he gets too old. <laughs> but yeah. he's the guy. Yeah. And he's on Broadway right now. That's a, Wow. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. Yeah. Huh. 
I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know a lot about Frankenstein yeah. because you're working on a documentary. Correct. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about I, that. I, I started as a child just falling in love with Boris Karloff from Frankenstein. And in 1997, I decided to get my camera, go to a few of these conventions, start interviewing people, which I did. And just... Just an inspiration, because I'm, I'm in show business myself. I'm a writer, producer, director, mm-hmm. although my bent has always been more towards comedy as opposed to a serious actor. But if you want to take a, a, a look at somebody who can inspire a person, it's got to be Boris Karloff. I mean, he was 44 before Frankenstein. He should have given up long ago. <laughs> he should have said, look, I'm never going to make it. I'm only going to get this far. I'll do something else. But he didn't, and, and he just kept working. And not only that, his career grew as show business grew. He went from film. He did radio. He did live television, real television, Broadway, nominated for a Tony, won the Grammy. It's phenomenal what this man did. Look at these three things he did in his lifetime, which I don't think anybody can top. First of all, The Monster and Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. He debuted on Broadway in a role written just for him in right. Arsenic and Old Lace, and then How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So in one career, when you can get those three things, it's amazing. So I've had a chance to team with a a filmmaker in London called Thomas Hamilton. We uh, uh, formed a partnership last June. We have gone and we have interviewed Norman Jewison, Christopher Plummer, Lee Grant, Guillermo del Toro, John Landis, uh, Orson Bean, just some amazing people. Peter Asher. I don't know. Do you know Peter Asher if you know music? I feel like I should. He was Peter of Peter and Gordon. Oh, okay, okay, but okay. But he was a child actor, okay, okay. and he worked with Karloff when he was a child. Then Peter Asher became producer. He worked for Apple Records. Uh, in fact, oh, he dated Paul McCartney's sister in a World Without Love that Peter Gordon hit. Okay. That's a Paul McCartney song. Okay, okay. So, so he's into the music business, but he has this background of being a child actor as well. So just some great people. That we, and I'm here this weekend to interview Sharon Moffat, because Sharon was a child actor that played with Karloff in The Body Snatcher. I'm here to interview Greg Mank, who's written some wonderful books. Tom Weaver, who's written some wonderful books. So get a little bit more background on Karloff. Yeah, all the names that you've mentioned, phenomenal people. I've chatted with them before myself. Tom and Greg, so knowledgeable and so willing to share that knowledge. So good luck with the interviews. I'm sure they're going to be amazing. Thank you very much for giving me this time to talk about this. And it's just a passion I have. Cross my fingers, this will be out in 2020. So where can people learn more about it? Is okay. there a website set yep. up? Well, there's an actual title. It's called Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. Okay. So if you go to IMDB, you'll find it there. Oh, okay. And uh, I think there's a Facebook page set up as well. In fact, for a while, we had a Kickstarter campaign, mm-hmm. and that's where we got our first funding from it. So yeah, so it's out there, and people can find out about it. Will it be a feature length? Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah. Full, full on, it won't be like a web series or something. It's like a feature length well, film. Okay, you bring up a great question. We're at the point where once the film is done, we now have to market and sell it. Okay. okay. So it depends on who buys it. So if a Netflix buys it and says they want to make it a six-part miniseries, fine with me. If Universal buys it and says, no, we want to release it as a feature-length film, then fine with me. This man, his career is so fast. It's hard to keep it to a two-hour. It's possible. But to really enjoy and understand this man and his career, it should be like a six-part series yeah the the man's career is amazing i wish you the best of luck with thank the documentary you, uh we actually have chatted before the bash right please keep me posted okay. i, I want to know more about it as the movie continues uh you gave me a card yesterday yep. so okay. uh, i would love to learn more about the documentary as it goes along then all right derek i thanks wish you the best have a good rest of your bash okay thanks all right thanks, bye-bye
I see you marrying a corpse, living in a grave. The vampire can assume very many different forms at will. Sometimes it appears as a bat, and sometimes as a small cloud of swirling vapor. In this way, it can move unseen among its enemies. Son of Dracula, searing the screen with new terror in this weird tale of the living dead who rise from the grave at night to prey on unsuspecting victims. With Louise Albritton, Robert Page, Evelyn Ankers, Frank Craven, J. Edward Bromberg, and Lon Chaney as the new Count Dracula, you'll shudder at the screen's most fascinating woman vampire, luring men with cold beauty and the promise of immortality. Count Alucard is immortal. Through him, I attained immortality. Through me, you will do the same. of horror pictures, nothing so shocking on the screen. <laughs> Corridors of blood. Mr. Bolton, the committee have decided against holding any further demonstrations. I tell you, I must have those chemicals. <laughs> the bargain's a bargain, eh, Doctor? You keep your end of it, and I'll keep mine. of Blood, starring Boris Karloff, genius or madman. Better St. John, drawn into the deadly vortex. Finley Curry, who believed at first. Christopher Lee, the killer known as Resurrection Joe. Oh, I can't sign that. I don't know how he died. It's a favor for a favor, Doctor. You want your book? Hospitals want bodies. And you take shock after shock after shock. Don't hold in your terror. Shriek if you must. A Nerdorama Shocker. This picture is not for timid souls. Should have said something earlier. The recording with Dan, when we were recording and somebody came up and you know, it sounded like the conversation changed a little bit, it's because somebody walked by who was wearing a Svengoolie t-shirt. And if I remember right, I think Dan was also wearing a Svengoolie t-shirt. So they started talking back and forth. And that's what that was. I thought it was kind of adorable because it was a, a younger person, a girl who had come by and well, I just thought it was cool that Dan and she had this connection over Svengooli. And then I also thought it was kind of funny because he was kind of rubbing it in. And then the whole, you know, I'm a made man thing. But yeah, that's what happened there. Now, I have the rest of Saturday's recordings 
and Sunday's recordings and the recording from Frank Delostrito and the recording of, well, who knows what else? I've got so much to go through still. And I think we're going to have Monster Bash related content over the next few weeks before we get back to, well, what passes for normal around here at Monster Kid Radio. One thing that is normal for us is to have the Monster Rally Retro Awards running. So make sure you head over to tinyurl.com slash rallies 2019 and you can cast your vote in the rally awards this year where you can vote for the best actor actress director movie and monster of the films from 1935 45 and 55 the deadline for this ballot is july 11th but derek what happened to the monster movie madness tournament 2019 well steve turk and i did record at monster bash the announcement of who won the championship who won the tournament and because I'm still going through all of my audio, I don't have that for you here. Come back next week for that. It's coming. Did you go to Monster Bash? I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to share your experiences with everybody here on Monster Kid Radio. Shoot me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. You can find this on our website over at monsterkidradio.net where you can check out the show notes and learn about everything that we've talked about here on the show and, well, a few other things too, like links to our Facebook page and our Facebook group and our Twitter. We're there. Plus there is a link to the monster kid radio on YouTube, YouTube channel. If you head over there and subscribe to the channel there, maybe even click the bell for notifications. You'll be updated when I do upload some video from monster bash. Stay tuned. That's coming too. What's coming up next week. Well, it's more monster bash. There's just too much to put into one episode. So come back Next week, for more of that, between now and then, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, not commercial. No derivatives. 3.0 unported license. Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories is copyright 2019. Jerry Green. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao. <laughs>